We're going to get into week three of four in the study of Hosea in the Holy Spirit, which I love that we're talking about the Holy Spirit because it's in the Old Testament. And many people uh, don't realize how much the Holy Spirit was already talked about in the Old Testament. So let's pray and we'll get started. God, thank you for my friends who are joining us via podcast or Facebook or YouTube. Thank you for uh, the word that you were woven in really all three parts of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. And God, if we've been taught or we've thought that things were pieced out and that the Holy Spirit didn't come on the scene for a while, that Jesus wasn't a part of the Bible until he was born in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John when we learned the story of Jesus' birth, if we thought that it wasn't throughout the Bible, I thank you that we now are learning that you, the three in one, have been uh present from the beginning and will be present till the end. God, thank you for teaching us through Hosea, his life, his example. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week in part two of three, we talked about two lessons on the Holy Spirit, and I focused more on the first lesson, which was number one, it's important to depend on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number two, of the lessons of the Holy Spirit is that negative things will happen when we're lacking the Holy Spirit. Both are very simple. Both shouldn't blow your mind, but they're two truths. Okay. So I said that we would get more into the second part of learning about the Holy Spirit. And we learned it through Hosea's life in that number two, negative things will happen when we lack the Holy Spirit. There's an equation that with his presence uh, we can lean on him without his presence. Negative things take over. They they take over our mind and we need the Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit controlled, to be spirit led and to not let our mind, our will and our emotions be taken over by anything, not the flesh, not the enemy, but only the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to talk about the spirit of harlotry. And the spirit of harlotry is talked about in Hosea because as we've learned in the previous ones, and you can go back and watch those or listen, uh, we learned that Hosea was told by God, you need to marry a woman uh, who will be a prostitute. She is a woman of whoredom. And we're not, theologians are not sure, was she already a prostitute when he married her or did he marry her? But God had said, she will do this. And he knew what he was marrying into. But the book of Hosea talks about the spirit of harlotry. And what the spirit of harlotry does is it keeps people from knowing God. That's what a spirit of harlotry does. It, it includes things like wine, food, substances. A spirit of harlotry replaces the, uh, the knowing God with something that fills a void. And uh, that void actually can only be filled by God. But something like wine, where if you have a hard day, you're like, I'm going to go have some wine tonight. Uh, If you're having a bad week, well, I'm going to get wasted on the weekend. Some of us would say, I don't do that. I don't say that. But we know that we'll lean into a substance, alcohol, uh, chocolate. Chocolate used to be my vice. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, convicted me for years that... Uh, even if I was doing a paleo diet, which now is the keto, and you stay away from sugar and all of that, that I would find a loophole 
that, well, you can have dark chocolate on paleo. Well, instead of getting real dark chocolate, like the really bitter, gross stuff with no sugar, I would get Dove dark chocolate. And I was really shooting myself in the foot, but I knew that at the end of the day, after I had only had protein, I'd had no carbs and I was feeling good. I knew I could get through the day because at the end I could have my dark chocolate dove candy. And there were times I'd eat half a bag of it. And I look back and think, what if I would have went all in? Now I know that that's a, a physical, my mouth's watering now, a physical example, uh, but there's spiritual connotations there that a spirit of harlotry, the very nature of it is keeping people from knowing God, keeping people from leaning all the way in. And what I needed uh, was to go all in because if I was all in paleo without the chocolate at the end of the night, think of how much better I would have seen results. And that's the same way with our life, that if at the end of the night, I leaned into Jesus, at the beginning of the day, I leaned into Jesus. And then if my day was bad, if my week was bad, I wasn't thinking, well, as soon as I can, I'm going to go get um, a glass of wine or this weekend, I'm going to drink it all away. But there's other things that people turn to. And Paul in Ephesians equates wine with wanting something to lift your spirits. And uh, I mean, we call alcohol spirits. Uh, Hosea is talking about how his wife Gomer was, she was sexual, sexual sin was what she was into, but what coupled with that was substances. You know, there's a lot of, there's been pastors and um, evangelists and just men and women, whether they're in ministry or not, that it's found out that they were having affairs on their spouse. Uh, often when the whole story comes out, they also had a drug addiction. And these are pastors that no one thought they probably even struggled with with alcohol at all. And they had full-blown drug addictions because the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, it, it was a desire to lift the spirits of whatever they had gotten themselves into or what they were going through. And so Paul says in Ephesians, that when that he was equating wine with the way people were looking to lift their spirits, and that's why we call alcohol spirits, I'm sure. Um, these things, the spirit of harlotry, whatever that vice is, leads people astray. Uh, drunkenness is clearly multiple times in the Bible, not okay. Uh, and it is ungodly to get drunk. Now, can people drink? Yes, the Bible was talking about real wine. It was fermented wine. It was not grape juice. I was raised Assembly of God um, in the beginning of my um, my ministry and calling, and you weren't allowed to drink a sip of wine um, or a sip of beer. But uh, a lot of times it was said in that context that, well, you actually, the Bible actually wasn't talking about real wine. It was just grape juice. The truth is it was real wine, and that's why Jesus, why God, why the writers of the Bible had to be clear that you have to have self-control. But here's the other thing. There's other things in the Bible like gluttony, and that's why the Holy Spirit convicted me because my vice was chocolate, and then I'd wake up and feel gross and fat and then treat my children poorly, treat my husband poorly, have a bad day, complain to God, pray in my prayer journal things like, help me to have self-control, when really I could have been going deeper in my relationship with Jesus, but I was still fighting this chocolate battle. So there's vices that people have, 
and, and you could probably think, what's your vice? Is it potato chips? Is it Snickers? Is it Diet Coke? Um, what is your go-to that you think, if I didn't have that, my life would be over? Um, like I wouldn't get through the day. And this is an important reason why we fast and why we fast things that are important to us that we can prove to ourselves and to the Lord that this will not control me. This will not run me. And God, I can give up anything for you, Jesus. Because if we can't live for him, um, to think that we're going to get to heaven and feel like we had a life well lived, except we're embarrassed about the things that we just thought we couldn't do without. Um, that's best case scenario for some people. So the thing about life is that, and Hosea shows this clearly, uh, he was chasing after Gomer and Gomer was just doing this repetitive one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back. And I, it makes me think about how life is, is really life is an uphill climb. It is. I mean, we, as we learn and grow and mature, the Bible says that we are to be sanctified, that we are to mature. And that, and James says that when we go through trials and tribulations, that it is the growing and the maturing of us. So we know that we go from here and the Bible talks about as babies in, in the word, we start on formula, we start on milk, but then we grow and we need to get on meat. So life is this spiritually, physically, emotionally, life is this. So I want to want you to think about life like this and you're on, on life. Okay. You're on the path of life. You're going like this. Um, think about a car. And if this is you, or this is a car and you're on the mountain, you're on the hill of life. If you put that thing in neutral and you just kind of coast, you just determine, I'm, I'm just not going to really focus on my relationship with Jesus. I'm really not going to let the Holy Spirit convict the vices. Like what used to be a big thing was, it was sex outside of marriage. And now my big thing is, yeah, man, I run through McDonald's drive through here and there. And, and that though, you know, you feel convicted, you feel bad. You're maybe even hiding it. Um, and so your vices are smaller. Your vices, most people would say are no big deal. Maybe you got into romance novels and now you like a salacious book or a salacious uh, movie or, or a, a reality TV. And you need that, that excitement and the Holy Spirit is convicting you. And so you're here and you're like, I'm just going to keep doing that because I'm okay, right? So you just kind of go in neutral. What does this car do? It starts in neutral, cars roll backwards. When we are not pushing forward in our relationship with Jesus, in our growth and maturity, we roll backwards. There's no standing still. Either you're in a forward motion or you're rolling backwards. And we we all know we learned this in, uh, what would it have been, uh, physiology. Uh, we learned that a object in motion is easier to keep in motion. A life in motion towards God is easier to keep in motion. And so these are some things that I thought you could take notes on if you aren't already. But Hosea, as you read the book of Hosea, Hosea employs these images from daily life. Uh, I don't know if you want to mark them down or if you just want to keep this in mind, because then as you read the book of Hosea, which is not very long, you can start to maybe unravel and see the code that's in here because there's a lot of different images used. So the images used uh, to depict God are husband, lion, leopard, bear, dew, rain, moth. Uh, moth. 
the images depicting Israel or as we're paralleling Hosea, the husband, and Gomer, the wife, representing God also and the Israel, the chosen people who are living with a spirit of harlotry. They're finding uh, hope in other gods, even though it's not working, they just continue to. They want to act and look like the world. They want to eat, drink, have sex with, do whatever they want to do, and who's going to tell them any different? That's the children of Israel, as represented by Gomer, and Hosea is represented by God. But like I said, God had those images used to depict him. And now I want you to think about this. This isn't just Israel. This is also us. Uh, so when you're reading the book of Hosea, Remember, these words are depicting us or Israel. Uh, wife, sick person, vine, grapes, early fruit, olive tree, woman in childbirth, oven, morning mist, chaff, and smoke. So now you can decode that as you're reading it. I want to read for you, and you'll kind of start to hear it, uh, read for you, Chapter 2 of Hosea, verse 8 through 19. It says, She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has. That's talking about Gomer, and Hosea is saying this. And really, God is saying this about the children of Israel. God is saying this about us, about how we operate in life. So she doesn't realize, we don't realize, it was I, God, who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. You could replace that with cars, health, husband, children, job. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine. I generously provided each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. That's like saying everything that you've been doing that you never thought would be exposed um, maybe poor decisions that you've made or someone else that you know of. It's like, how do they get off with that? They have done that to their kids and their husband or their wife for all this time. Or how's that bo my boss, my old boss get away with that? What this is saying is uh, I'll strip them naked in public while all the lovers look on, while all those who thought they were getting away with it look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to, end to her annual festivals, her new moon celebrations and her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will destroy her grapevines and fig trees, the things she claims her lovers gave her. This, you know, think about this, that, well, I mean, that person gave that to me, or, you know, I've worked hard for everything I have, giving no glory to God who actually did it. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat the fruit. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. I'll let you keep reading that. This is chapter two, and this is the point where Hosea slash God is saying, Hosea in the in the physical story and God in our representation or how we would look at it is saying, oh, they'll come an end to giving all the credit to man, to uh, to things that are just not me. Uh, even if some of them are bad and some are not, like 
when I told you, no, don't send that text message, when I told you, no, don't tell that girlfriend uh, that thing about the other person, like those things um, we may think go unnoticed. And a lot of times God just has grace and mercy and he just covers it. He does. He covers all our sin. He forgets and he forgets. But the problem is, is there are repercussions to our actions. And sometimes these things that we thought we got off with come knocking. And sometimes God allows those to come knocking because we may not be burning incense and worshiping other gods called Baal, but we've put other things in place. We, rather than um, putting a focus on worshiping God and having worship in our so- our house, would rather have uh, that... that uh, reality TV show playing in the background. We'd rather watch these YouTube videos that are not edifying. We'd rather have uh, country music or rock music playing when we know our spirit was thirsty and hungry for more of Jesus, for more of God, but we just didn't want to put in the effort. Like those are the times when we didn't go worship Baal, but we were not putting God first. Uh, So I want to finish with this parallel. And I found this amazing chart and then just lost my place. Uh, this amazing chart on Ho- in Hosea about the parallels. Um, and the, here, here's what I want to say. Spiritual adultery and physical adultery are alike in many ways, and both are dangerous. God was disappointed with his people because they had committed spiritual adultery against him, as Gomer had committed physical adultery against Hosea. So here's some parallels. Both spiritual and physical adultery are against God's laws. So then the danger is when we break God's law in full awareness of what we're doing, our hearts become hardened to the sin and our relationship with God is broken. I talk a lot about hard hearts, soft hearts. Uh, I have four more parallels and dangers before we finish. Another parallel, both spiritual and physical adultery begin with disappointment and dissatisfaction, either real or imagined with an already existing relationship. The danger, the feeling that God disappoints can lead you away from him. Feelings of disappointment and dissatisfaction are normal and when endured will pass. Next parallel, both spiritual and physical adultery begin with diverting affection with one object of devotion to another. The danger, the diverting of our affection is the first step in the blinding process that leads into sin. Next, both spiritual and physical adultery involve a process of deterioration. It's not usually an impulsive decision. Remember the rolling backwards? That's not I'm wanting to crash and burn and go backwards. It's the putting life in neutral and slowly rolling back. The danger in deterioration is the process is dangerous because you don't always realize it's happening. You don't realize you're rolling backwards till it's too late. If you ever went to park a car and you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, we're moving because the car next to you is moving forward or backward and it scares you. When you're rolling, you don't always know. And you you might be rolling, but it's so slow you didn't notice. And then how sometimes we notice is we run into that car in front or behind because we didn't notice we were rolling. It happens slowly and sometimes it's too late. The last parallel, both spiritual and physical adultery involve the creation of a fantasy about what a new object of love can do for you. Some of us are waiting for that vacation and every year we we endure life to get to that one week vacation or that one week off in the summer because that's the that's where we think we're going we fant- fantasize about how that's going to make the year bearable we've got to have 
the ability or find the ability to find joy and contentment and peace in God so that all year can be better. And then that's a cherry on top because, you know, one thing that can happen, I think about this song a lot because Aubrey's this way. Um, She will romanticize or fantasize about how her birthday party or a New Year's Eve party will be and how it will go. And then it happens and she's disappointed. And I've been there. I've had, I used to, um, you know, plan a date for Sean and I, in my mind, it was going to be, you know, butterflies and birds chirping and it was going to be like a movie and then it was like the service kind of stunk we sat in traffic we got a call from the babysitter and it sucked and I was super disappointed um it reminds me of the song it's my birthday and I'll it's my party and I'll cry if I want to I think that's because and I wonder if that song I think of this often when Aubrey's disappointed in the party that she thought would be better Uh, that that song was probably written out of, I had such high expectations and they were dashed. But when we live for the moment, when we fantasize that thing, that object, that event will fix and change everything. And then it comes and it still doesn't. This is why there's so many singers and movie stars that they get to the pinnacle of success and they're devastated because to them, when you get to that point, I mean, Sean works with NFL players and these guys are not like, oh yeah, now I've arrived. Now they have prayer requests of that I keep safe and healthy and I can't get hurt because so much rides on that. And they get to that point, many of them, they, they don't have a lot of people that they can or do hang out with because they're at the very top and people look at them differently and they've gotten to this place they thought that would make life perfect. And when you get to that point and you realize, or that event that you thought was going to make the year perfect and it doesn't, it actually is more painful than we think because the danger is such fantasy creates unrealistic expectations of what a new relationship can do, an event, anything. And it only leads to disappointment in all existing and future relationships. You know, if you think you found that new best friend and then a year down the road, they disappoint you. Well, that's how Satan gets us to not be friends again, because we think everyone will disappoint us, but we put too much emphasis on what that relationship would do for us. We need to embrace people and be vulnerable to have new relationships, but be very aware that if it's just for a season that we didn't put all of our eggs in that basket. So when that person goes away or there's a rupture in the relationship that we don't just give up on all relationships. So it's, it's putting God first, even to the point that we don't fantasize something besides God that will make life better for us. Okay. I'm going to take any um, comments or questions you might have and If we don't have any, then um, I will end our week. And then next week will be our fourth and final week. If you missed any of the studies, you can go to A Sunny Look at the Bible on any podcast platform, or you can go to Sunny Hennessy YouTube channel and these videos in this study, as well as The Life of Jacob and Adding Jesus to Your Life Daily, Revelation and the End Times study are on those platforms. And uh, you can catch up on those, plus the two weeks of this, if you missed. Uh, If you tuned in late for this, you can also watch this on replay uh, or go to those platforms. So if there are any questions, comments, I'd love to see that now. Otherwise, I'm going to pray and we'll end this week on Hosea and the Holy Spirit. I hope that you were able to take notes, that you were able to take something. I know the chocolate thing, the relationship thing, the vacation thing, the 
got to have a glass of wine thing. All of those are so practical, are so realistic to our everyday life. So I don't see any comments or questions here. So let's pray and we'll log off. God, thank you for my friends who are joining me live or on the replay. God, thank you that we can learn more about the Holy Spirit, even back to the Old Testament, that you have been working and will continue to work in our lives and our hearts. If we're open, we have soft hearts and we're willing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Bye.